Uh, um, so how much is that? And welcome to the podcast editor's mastermind, where we talk about the business side of podcasting. If you're joining us on the live stream, be sure to leave your comments and questions in the chat, and we'll gladly talk about it on this show. This podcast grew out of our own mastermind, where we help each other with our podcast editing businesses and decided to help everybody else, at least as much as we can. Our conversation today, I'm really interested in, and providing unique services to your clients. Um, and a couple of things I've been looking to kind of expand my own business into. But before we get into that, let's tell you who we are. I'm Daniel Abendroth of Roth Media. Right below me, we get... I'm Carrie Caulfield, Eric of Yaya Podcasting. And I'm Brian Ensminger of TopTierAudio.com. And above me, we have... John Gay of Jagged Detroit Podcast. Nice to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So John is one of the many stories of somebody who spent a very long time in radio, saw the change in the weather and made the pivot into podcasting, spending 15 years in radio in Vermont, Detroit, and New Orleans, and as an on-air personality, learned how to create compelling content and has taken those same skills over into podcasting where he made that pivot back in 2018. So John, tell us a little bit about kind of what you did in radio and then like why and how you kind of made that pivot into podcasting. I always kind of loved radio and the craft of audio and connecting with people and that personality aspect. You know, the, I always tell potential podcast clients about the favorite morning show you grew up with. You feel like you grew up with them, you know them because they were with you in the car on the way to school, on the way to work, whatever it was. And as I went through radio in 15 years, as you mentioned, Daniel Vermont, here to Detroit, down in New Orleans, back to Detroit, I realized that the industry was changing very quickly. A lot of it had to do with large companies buying up radio stations, which we can make an analogy to podcasting later on <laughs> if we need to. But when these large companies bought up radio it became more of a business, more of a cost-cutting measure, and it became more about the bottom line than actually creating the compelling content. And I think I was laid off three times for budget cuts, uh, not for cause, but for budget cuts, because somebody at a corporate office in New York or Philly said, hey, we don't need that guy in Vermont or Detroit or whatever it was. He's a line item on a spreadsheet. So... I started networking and talking to people, learning a little bit more about podcasting. If you guys know Seth Ressler from Jacobs Media, I connected to Seth through some mutual contacts when I was, as they say in radio, on the beach and not working and trying to figure out what I was going to do next. <laughs> Helped him for a couple of years with his uh, Detroit show, The Debrief, which is about the arts and entertainment scene in and around Detroit, which was growing very quickly pre-pandemic. We were together, kind of fell in love with the uh, craft of podcasting, and Seth was the one who told me in 2018 dude, you got to go to podcast movement. Like, and I'm like, dude, I'm not working. Like, I don't, I can't, I, I don't, can't swing this trip with the airfare and the hotel and everything. He's like, trust me, it'll be worth it down the road. Put on a credit card if you have to go. So I went to Philadelphia two years, three, two years, whatever year that was, 18. And I met Carrie, I met Jennifer, I met some other folks and was blown away at how 
cooperative and encouraging the podcasting space was. It reminded me of what radio was when I first got into it before it became a little bit more competitive and a little bit more business-centric. It was about the craft. It was about helping people out and, and helping each other. And from there, I started, you know, I always tell the story that in fall of 2018, my wife and I were in Hawaii for her 40th birthday. And I was between jobs. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I was applying to all these marketing and agency jobs. I was dabbling in podcasting. And my wife very famously said to me, listen, you're kind of half-assing two different things at once. I need you to pick one and whole-ass it. And I said, <laughs> okay. So podcasting, I was developing a huge passion for. And I've been growing my business for two and a half years since. I love your wife. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. And and my wife works in corporate finance and I was always terrified to be a small business owner and all the things and stresses that come with it. She said, "I will help you with this. You, you know, do the work. You're the audio expert. You're the one who knows this stuff. I will help you with the accounting and the bookkeeping and systems and templates and, you know, she spends her entire day in Microsoft Excel anyway. So, <laughs> she helps me run the business side of it in addition to her full-time job, which is easy cuz now we're both been locked up in the house since March. But um <laughs> You know, hey, honey, can you? So she's been, she, I, I really, truly could not have done it without her. So all props to Ellen, my wife, who I'll probably have listened to this at some point. I love that. Yeah, because, you know, my wife and I, we, she's my business partner in Roth Media. And like, while I work like at the technical audio side of things, she does a lot of like content strategy and coaching the clients and kind of like the more creative side of things, whereas like I'm in like the technical. So like, yeah. I love having the kind of, husband-wife duo. That's fantastic. And, you know, being a solopreneur, as you know, it's like, okay, I've got this issue with a client or I've got something else going on. Hey, let me get a second set of eyes on this or a second set of ears on this. Hey, here's the situation. Here's something I'm handling it. What do you think? Just as, as a check on you, which is a great thing to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's not a lot of times, like whenever I'm replying to email, like I'm very brief and just like answer the question. Like my email is typically like two sentences. So I'm like, honey, can you take a look at this? And then it's like, oh, okay. And like, it turns into like a paragraph that's like what much more explanatory, like gets a point across, but in a much more friendly way than my like, your audio is bad. How come? <laughs> <laughs> it's that people person element. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, if your wife ever wants to make spreadsheets for podcast editing businesses, mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> Honey, you looking for a side hustle? Right? <laughs> I mean, there, there's something to that, right? Because you talked about how radio was becoming more corporate, more about the bottom line. And the reality is that's because somebody had a spreadsheet that said, mm. this is how we maximize our profits. But we're business owners, so we also have to figure out what's that sweet spot of maintaining the joy and maximizing the the bottom line. Absolutely. And a lot of that's in what metrics you look at and how you manage the business. And if your wife has spreadsheets that can help us do that, I bet you there's going to be some editors that are willing to buy that. I, mm -hmm. I would buy it. I'm always asking, like, can I see your spreadsheet? <laughs> she is, yeah. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> I'll show you your... No, sorry. I'll show you mine. Uh, so... <laughs> That I mean, I'm going to bring this up to her. We might have just hit on our next million dollar idea right here in this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's see, this is the bonus to have a conversation with me because 
I will give you business ideas because I want somebody to fix all my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like they say, like starting a business, you have to figure out what people's problems are and then solve them. And Carrie is great at finding the problems <laughs> and let you know like what you need to do to solve it for her. You hit on something, though, that's really important to mention to podcast editors as you're pitching clients, though, Daniel, which is mm -hmm. you're finding a problem, you're solving a problem for somebody. That problem might be, how do I stick out and market myself? Because I specialize a lot in branded podcasts for small businesses is, you know, taking out an ad in the weekly local paper is going to probably cost more in most cases than editing a podcast and people are going to throw it away anyway. Or how do I stand out, you know, on Twitter or Instagram with all the masses and Facebook? Well, a podcast can certainly do that. And that's something that I tell clients all the time. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And that uh, actually works for our own businesses as well. And we're going to be starting our marketing challenge that is going to focus on that specifically. So I'm, I'm kind of glad you brought that up because then I don't have to plug it. <laughs> 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 but yeah, absolutely. That's a great that value proposition, right? I have a couple of friends um, that, are, that are starting to dabble in doing what we all do that are either in radio or used to be in radio, side hustle or doing this, you know, full time. And I've started to train them on what I learned and how to translate those radio skills into podcasting. So what you say is certainly well taken, Carrie. So I'm always curious about the kind of intersection between radio and podcasting. Mm hmm. What is the view? I feel like there's kind of a demarcation where it's like podcasting is a redheaded stepchild of radio. Um, is that what radio people think? Because I don't really know any radio people. Or that's a, that's a fair question. And I'm going to throw a disclaimer in front of my answer, which is that I got out of radio in August of 2017. So I have not worked in radio full time in now over three years. They laid me off for a budget cut two weeks after my wedding when my boss convinced them that they shouldn't lay me off the week of my wedding. And that's everything you need to know about how corporate radio works. So in 2017, podcasting looked a heck of a lot different than it looks in 2021. So mm -hmm. I think podcasting was just kind of a to radio people, it was just kind of like, oh, that's cute, that little thing over there. Like, hey, maybe we'll, like, tape our best bit from the morning show and, you know, and throw the phone scam up on Apple Podcasts or whatever. So that's how it was then. But I think now there is such an appreciation for the growth of podcasting. You know, you've all seen the stat about how it's going to be a $1 billion industry in 2021 and would have been in 2020 had it not been for the pandemic. You see iHeart, Entercom, Beasley, all these huge... American radio companies really spending a lot of money in podcasting. In fact, and I mentioned this uh, in my podcast where I talk about the industry, iHeart, who is the largest uh, owner of radio stations in the country, formerly Clear Channel at their height, they owned 1,100 radio stations. At the same time, in fourth quarter, when they were laying off radio employees for months, the layoffs just kept coming and coming and coming, and they were buying podcasting companies. They were investing in podcasting while they were laying off DJs and sales managers and general managers. And to me, as sort of the leader in the space, notwithstanding their history and their $22 billion bankruptcy, they, sorry, they, um, <laughs> they really had an emphasis more on digital and podcasting than traditional radio. Yes, of course, traditional radio makes a ton more money than podcasting right now, but that is changing very, very quickly. Hmm. And I actually have had radio people say, because, you know, hey, you know, you speak my language, I work in radio, what can you tell me about podcasting? I think radio is more than just 
podcast curious at this point. I think they're very, very into what podcasting is going to do and become. Do they need podcast editors? (laughs) 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 Or do you have that market locked up? (laughs) Well, it's funny because, you know, everybody kind of sees it the same way, but there's different skills involved. If you have to cut something and make a 30 or 60 second radio spot, you might be doing the micro machines guy. Date myself with that reference. But it's, you know, hey, we, hey, Mm -hmm. come down, come on down to the used car lot. We got these Fords for sale and these Toyotas here. We got it. And you're putting the sentences on top of each other to fit it into a 30 second spot. That would sound terrible in a podcast. The -hmm. idea of letting it breathe and, we could debate all night about whether or not to leave breaths in in podcasts. I'm sure you guys have had plenty of conversations about that. What works in the blueprint of radio, there's definitely an art to it in podcasting and how that is different. There's definitely a different skill set involved that I had to learn. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. You, you think these people are getting laid off from radio with these skills, I don't necessarily want them to come in and take all the jobs, even though there's plenty of jobs. But I, I feel like <laughs> there's some people that, that actually do feel that way. And I don't really feel that way, but um, that's why I ask specifically to kind of wait. Well, and here. I think for a lot of, for a lot of radio folks that are born and bred and it's a drug, I can tell you that, you know, being on stage in front of 7,000 people to announce an act at a concert at the old Joe Louis Arena in Detroit is an adrenaline rush that I can't even put into words. And I, I, I love that stuff. Or having somebody say, oh, I heard you say that on the radio and, and, and you, you made me laugh and I was having a bad day, whatever it is. There's a certain drug to being in radio or I guess probably being on TV too. I was never look, good looking enough to be on TV. That's why I did radio. But when people have that taken away from them it's like well now what and they almost kind of especially like a high profile dj or like a morning show dj loses that identity and it becomes well well now what do i do and yes some are going to go to podcasting because there's a lot of crossover between the skills but a lot of folks are just kind of like well now what do do i open a used car lot like you know i I spent every (laughs) saturday trying to get people to come on down and get you know zero percent financing but people really have to figure out what it is they want to do and to your point, Carrie, some will come into podcasting, some won't. Some will go to other things, too. As I think about like that, that morning DJ, I think there's another part of it, right? Because it's not just what do I do, but also who am I? Yes. I've been this person, this on-air personality for this many years. Who's the real me? I'll give you the perfect example on that, Brian. So, as you can see, my name is John Gay. I had a very difficult time in middle school in the 90s. <laughs> Because I was the short, scrawny, balding Jewish kid with the funny last name. And I had to make the joke first so they'd laugh with me and not at me. But then when I got to college at Syracuse and I started being on the campus radio station in 1998, I knew John Gay wasn't a name that I was going to use on the radio. But I'm trying to come up with a name. Well, Johnny G, John Gray. Well, my initials are J-A-G. There's a TV show called JAG. I could probably do that. And as I kind of went through my 20s in my career, long before I was married, but there is kind of this... Jag mentality that I kind of got into, which is kind of like Jag is the guy who will take the microphone in the club and walk around. A, a coworker once said that microphone is like Superman's cape when you walk around the club as a radio DJ. But if you take that mic out of my hand, John is a wallflower. He's not going to talk to oh. anybody. But Jag, oh, hey, how you doing, bachelorette party? What's going on? But I think once the radio part of it was done and I moved on to being a small business owner and doing this, you know, and I have some clients call me John and some clients call me Jag, friends and and, and that call me John, friends that call me Jag. I kind of had to figure out where those two intersected to figure out who I really was. So that's a really good point that you mentioned, Brian. 
Yeah, and Mike in the comments just re- referenced that radio laced with personal niche interest is podcasting. I think that's pretty accurate. There is something to that, Micah, and I think that what radio, I don't want to be a, a naysayer of radio all day, but you know, the radio that I fell in love with, with that personality where you really connected with people, where as outside morning shows and spoken word formats like news talk and sports that connection is gone because for hours long that I could explain when they changed the rating systems, they told the music DJs shut up and play the music. And so that left us less opportunity to connect with our audience. So I would say that podcasting, yes, is personal niche interest mixed with personality radio and those that are still lucky to have it. So let's talk more. Let's get back into podcasting and talk about what you do. So before we get into like your super unique, uh, was it your diamond package? Mm-hmm. or your platinum package, your gold package that's listed on your website. Something that I've been wanting to get into, so I'm curious about how you facilitate it, what your process is and all that. But what I'm talking about is you do live monitor- monitoring of your client show and provide feedback. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about what your process is and how you set that up. Well, the way I started off with the packages that I'm about to change, I'll hit on that in a minute. But, you know, I tried to I tried to have a nod to my old radio DJs with records. So I had silver, gold, mm. platinum and diamond. So if a record goes gold, it's sold 500,000. If it goes platinum, it's a million. If it goes diamond, it's 10 million. So that's the, the where that came from. Uh, and the basic, basic, basic package is what a lot of people I'm sure listening and watching do. You send me the MP3, I edit it, I send it back to you, bing, bing, boom, and it's done. And this is sort of as COVID was starting to come in and I was figuring out these packages. So for right now, I'm recording everybody remotely from here in my studio. I think I've been in two offices since March. But previous to the pandemic, I would take my roadcaster with my Shure SM58 $50 microphones, and I would go on site with a client and record them in their office with their guests and, and whoever was on the show. That, of course, is on hold now with the pandemic. But the difference between the gold and the platinum package with the caveat that everything's being done remotely is I'll monitor it and I'll try to rein you in if you're starting to go too far on a tangent and too far off topic. But uh, the next level up, I'll be the co-host and I'll moderate it and I'll kind of steer the conversation. I think going back to my radio days, the thing that I love the most in radio for a couple of years in New Orleans, I was a program director and I would do what we'd call an air check where I would sit down with the DJ. I would listen back to a tape of a show with them and critique them and say, hey, this was really good. You know, what did you try doing this next time? Hey, you know, this could probably be a little better. Have you thought about hitting this topic from that angle or phrasing something this way? And this one woman, Angie, that I was working with in New Orleans, everything I told her to do, the next week she would do it flawlessly. And it was such a cool feeling to say, hey, I gave you some direction to make your content better. And she'd be like, oh, my God, I hear it. Oh, that's so much better. And so having that background in coaching people as far as content goes and sort of trimming the fat and getting rid of all the tangents and, you know, irrelevant stuff where people's time is very valuable and you want to respect your audience, that comes from me from radio. And granted, in radio, it was a lot more strict. You know, if you're a morning show and you've got a two or three minute break, or if you're a music DJ and you got to shut up after 20 seconds before Katy Perry starts singing, that's a little bit different. But the same kind of thing applies where, hey, you know what? 
I'm looking at our outline here. You know, we kind of already covered that topic. Let's go here now. Let's leave that one to the side. Or, hey, let's hit point number five before we do number four. I've got a better way to transition into doing this. With most of my clients, what I do is I have them send me just a show outline of bullet points before we record. You know, and I work with a lot of financial advisors. So it's a 30-minute podcast and say, okay, today we're going to talk about Roth IRAs or whatever the topic is. Okay, give me the five bullet points that I'm going to ask you as a layperson about Roth IRAs that then you can explain it to somebody listening who doesn't have a series XYZ degree and is not a certified financial planner that knows all the acronyms and the terminology. So that's, I think, something that I offer that's pretty unique to my clients is having that background of being able to coach in real time. And again, we all do the tech stuff with the microphones, and that is extremely important. But also, once the podcast is going to say, okay, you know, th- I know that this particular client tends to go on more tangents. I've got to have a little bit of a shorter leash with him and rein him in. Or she's really on point, and I, we're going to hit our bullet points and we're going to go. She's going to get off script. I know that with this particular client, if I jump in to ask a question as he's explaining something, he's going to stutter a little bit more. So I've got to make sure to hang back and not even give too many yeahs and uh uh-huhs as he's speaking or it's going to trip him up. And that's one more edit I've got to make. So really getting a feel for each client and how to best coach them to get the best out of them possible. Did that answer your question? And then some. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it actually answered some follow-up questions. <laughs> I mean, we could just go All right, well, home that's now. the show. Thanks, I mean, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to shut me up at any time because I, I can talk. So. No, I think it's great because I was going to ask, you know, how do you handle like interrupting your clients as they're recording their show? Because I would be worried that they would do that, that they would stutter or they would completely lose their kind of energy. Do you have any times where they don't react well to your critique? <laughs> I had, I'm thinking of one particular client who I love and I have a great relationship with her. She made, she was teasing me, but she said something to the effect of, I can't remember how she phrased it, but it was something like, you know, Jag, I know you like to jump in and, and guess what I'm going to say next or offer an opinion or say, hey, don't you mean this? But it's not always true. And so I was like, ooh, I'm stung a little bit, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> so knowing, just kind of knowing where that line is with each client, that takes a little, I don't interrupt them a lot. But for example, if I've got a client who they're already into a tangent that I know I'm already going to cut everything that they're saying from a couple seconds before and anything they would say after that. I say, you know, hey, you know, John Q, whatever your name is, like, okay, let's, you know, why don't we try this? Let me do this. Hey, you know what? I got a better way to transition that. Let me set you up for that by saying this. Because for a lot of these folks, and again, a lot of what I do is branded podcasts, you want them to sound as authoritative in their field as possible. So there are many podcasts that are along the lines of, hey, let's, wherever the conversation goes, that's great. But I think for a branded podcast, I take out the vast majority of ums and uhs and breaths because I want somebody to sound like the absolute authority in their field because they're using it as a branding tool for their business. Do you find then that because you're there, you're able to help them structure a better experience for their listener? Like, is that what happens? Yeah, I think so. Because, you know, it's the whole tangent thing to keep coming back to that. And Mm. the first thing I always tell clients is my biggest pet peeve, aside from bad audio, is... Somebody who starts off with a podcast with, hey, here's uh, here's how to follow me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and you don't know me, but here's what I had for breakfast today. And 
people's time is limited and you're only, I got to mention Joel Salcihai who worked, who was out here in Metro Detroit as well. He did a presentation at Podcast Movement in Orlando in 2019 where he talked about the first two minutes of the podcast. It's like a James Bond movie. You've got to get somebody's attention with that car chase or that helicopter crash or whatever it is right away. And in this case, if I'm just checking out your podcast for the first time and I don't know anything about you or what you're doing, you've got to give me something of value off the bat when you start so that I can know this is something I want to listen to. And it's a little bit like a business transaction. If you're going to ask me for a social media follow or to sign up for my email or to call me for a business or whatever it ends up being, if I've given you 15 or 30 minutes of compelling content I then have the latitude to ask you for something in return. I've established myself as an authority in that field, and I've been able to, uh, how do I put this? You know, you've given me something of value that, oh, you know what? I think I would like to follow you more. I'd like to know more about what you have to say. I, I like what you had to offer here. But the, doing the plugs in the beginning, uh, and again, a quick plug like we did here, notwithstanding, that's fine. But to go on and on a tangent of, here's every possible way you can interact with me in the history of the internet. And by the way, here's what I had for breakfast today. I think you lose people. One of yeah. my biggest like podcasting pet peeves is like with two hosts, like with that pointless banter that has nothing to do with the show. It's like, just get on with it. I remember, I can't remember who it was, but I was like listening to somebody like critique a podcast, but it was like the first six minutes was essentially going through, it was like four or five people on the show. And they each like took like two minutes to introduce themselves before they actually yeah. got into it. It's like, oh, goodbye. I'm gone. Yeah. 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 And I don't need to know your weather last week at all. No. <laughs> Especially if I'm listening two or three months from now. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. You, you mentioned helping them develop the sort of the flow of their show. You don't want seven minutes of ads before you get started, Joe Rogan. <laughs> um, so do you have... Do you have any resources available for a podcast editor that wants to help clients develop a show clock? I don't have a specific show clock, and that is a great question. I think for the most part, what I like to have my clients do is I stick to bullet points. If you had a show that had a bunch of regular features where you had, okay, we're going to do the, you know, stick the hand in the cookie jar, ask the question or whatever it ends up being with the guest, you might want to think about a sort of a clock at that point. But also the old radio show clock is based on a circle of a clock mm -hmm. of an hour. And okay, we're going to this many minutes on this and this many minutes on this, and this many minutes on this. You don't have those restrictions in a podcast. If you have a really compelling thing and you say, okay, well, we're going 63 minutes today or we're kind of out of content, we're only going 56, like that's okay. So not a specific clock or wheel, but I do like to have it lined up in bullet points of the different areas we're going to hit on as we go through. And most of my podcasts are interview style anyway. Nice. Do you find that a lot of clients, there's a, there's a lot of people looking for that co-host role? Yes and no. I think it really depends on the personality and the motivation behind a podcast. And I think as you look for clients, you're going to find so many different things across the board on that, where you might have somebody who says, oh, I'm doing a podcast because it's the hot new thing. And my boss says I need to do a podcast and I'm funny, but their heart really isn't <laughs> in it. But you might have somebody who has just a really, really dynamic personality and they're ready to rock and roll out of the gate. You might have somebody who has a lot to say, but needs a little bit of 
the material coaxed out of them. So I really think that it's everyone is different and every situation is unique. And I have that conversation when I onboard a client. I say, hey, you know, I've got 15 years of radio experience. I'm happy to host it. I'm happy to sort of drive the car and interview you. If you feel like you want to be the host and you want to be the one in control, I don't have a fragile ego. I won't be offended <laughs> if you say you're not interested in having me host. That's completely fine. Whatever you're most comfortable with. Or we can try it this way. And then if this doesn't quite work out, we can pivot. We can change. You know, I think everybody who's done more than 10 podcasts goes back, listen to their first podcast, goes, Ugh, <laughs> wish I'd done that a little bit differently. <laughs> so it's okay. You don't have to have the absolute master plan done when you launch episode one, but you can certainly be willing to change. So I'm curious as to what the lead time is. So you're doing, you're doing basically the show with your client, how mm -hmm. much preparation, how much time between getting, developing the topic idea, the bullet points, how much time is between that and the recording? So it's funny because I think about the financial advisors that I work with and of the dozen or so that I work with, I have some that prep the show with meticulous bullet points. And this is, doesn't involve me in the process at this point. They're just putting a detailed list together. And I say, send it to me my close of business the day before we record. That's all I need. Send it to me my close of business, they record. I'll look at it. I'll follow along on the bullet points. I have some that script out their whole show because some people are better off a script than off bullet points. Some people sound like they're reading when it's off a script. Again, it's everybody individual thing. And then I have some clients, God bless them, or bless their hearts, as I learned to say when I lived in the <laughs> South for a couple of years, who don't prep it. And I'll jump on with them. They've paid for the time. They've paid for the podcast. All right, Joe, so what are we talking about today? Clicking around on the website. Yeah, why don't we talk about this? Okay. That show's not going to be very good. At, at the risk of being callous about it, I'm still getting paid. And I will nudge them a couple times, say, hey, you know, when I onboard them, send me some bullet points beforehand, and, you know, so we can have a good way to lay it out. You know, I have one of my clients is also a former radio guy. He can just ad lib for half an hour and I just kind of wind him up and let him go. Like you guys are doing <laughs> me a little bit here. But uh, I think, <laughs> but it, the best analogy I always give my clients is the race car analogy. Uh, one of my first bosses in radio said, and I'm not a NASCAR fan, but he said, and he neither was he, but doing a radio show or in this case, a podcast is like driving a race car. You do all your work in the pit. So when the race starts, all you've got to do is drive the car. So the more prep, the more you can line up your show, the more you can put into it ahead of time, the smoother it's going to be, the better the content is going to be, the better the listening experience is going to be, the less you're going to um, uh, um, uh, uh, um, uh, stutter your way through it because you have a good feel for where you're going to go and the order you're going to do it. It makes such a difference, but I can't force every client to do it. Yeah, that's why I asked about the uh, how much lead time because I... Part of it makes me nervous asking for the client to actually send me something before they record because it's hard enough to get them to actually, you know, when you're thinking about having them send the files, right? It is hard sometimes to get clients to be on time and not at the last minute. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm actually thinking, when I want to come back to the packages that we mentioned a minute ago. I'm actually thinking of changing up my packaging right now because, you know, I'd said all, you know, the premium package is, you know, is in person, but that's still not going to happen for a few more months at least, you know, hopefully in a few months. But something that I've started doing with clients that I'm just getting into this a little bit, and I would certainly love any advice the three of you have for me on this, is I'm starting to dabble in video editing. 
and or sorry, video recording, not yet video editing. And I've had clients ask me about video. I've had a couple clients that have said, I only want to do this and record with you if we're doing video. Well, I'm an audio guy. I'm a radio guy. Audio is my passion. You paint the picture. You, you get away from the Brady Bunch squares on Zoom and put the headphones in your ears and walk the dog and you can get a break from computers and put it on the car. And I always tell clients, you can't watch a YouTube video while you're driving, or at least you really shouldn't. So also podcasting goes in places that video can't. But because I've had people ask about video, I thought, you know, there might be a revenue opportunity here, even though it's not my forte. So now I'm starting to offer clients just a raw video, a not, not an edited video, because video is a bear to edit unless mm -hmm. you're really, really good at it. There was a, a video recently in the Podcast Editors Club that was phenomenal on, on doing it, but it's not my forte. I'll tell my clients, look, I will still give you the edited podcast. I'll take out the false starts and the ums and ahs and likes and you knows and disfluencies. But with the video, it's one take. If you want something for YouTube or Facebook videos or whatever it is, we'll video the podcast, but I'm not going to have like a 15-year-old in his bedroom, a bunch of jump cuts in between the video every time you say, oh, can I start that sentence again? And it's and all that kind of jumpy stuff that'll make you dizzy watching it. I think I would like to maybe down the road get in, learn more about video editing and get more proficient at it. But because people are asking about video editing, if I can do the existing podcast at the existing package and then for an extra 150 bucks, record the video and send them the video of, of the podcast and they can, if they want to put a logo on it, if they want to edit it at all, if they want to put it on YouTube, so be it. I'm offering that as sort of an add-on at this point until I get really, really comfortable with video. But the emphasis is certainly on the audio. Yeah, so video is not something that I do offer. Mm -hmm. It's something that I've considered. Part of the reason I've shied away from it is because, well, one, I don't sit on the recordings with my clients. Okay. And two, I, I'm concerned that I would get a lot of clients that want to sit down with a Zoom video and mm -hmm. record you know, 15 minutes walking around the room five feet away from the computer like they're doing a presentation and then try to turn that into a podcast and a Ugh. video and all the assets that go with that. And frankly, I don't want to deal with those people. So I've got to do some, <laughs> I got to do some work up here and then I've got to figure out who are the clients that are a good fit for that multi-channel approach where you've got a video, you've got the audio, you've got the social stuff, and then what package would make sense for me to put together for them, just like what you're trying to do right now as well. It's interesting you talk about the marketing piece too, Brian, because that's not something I offer for my clients. I tell them, I said, I'm the audio guy. I am going to provide you, Simplecast is the host that I use. I'm going to provide you the link, the embed code, the recast or the audiogram, and then it's on you and your marketing people, whether it's you're a solopreneur, you have a marketing department, it is up to you how you want to position this, how you want to market it. I don't even do episode artwork because when it comes to graphics, I'm just terrible. Yeah. It's not my forte at all. Same here. So I'll say, you know, so I'll, I'll provide you all the audio stuff. You're going to do the artwork. I'll give you all the resources. I'm not going to tell you how often to post this to Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. I'm going to get you on Apple, Google, Spotify, et cetera, and all the podcast apps. And you can promote whichever app you want or the link from Simplecast, whatever you want. I'll give you all the resources, but the marketing is on you because that's not my area of expertise. And I think if you have a marketing person, you're better off to hand it off to them. Yeah, I think that, well, so one of the things that I have kind of dabbled in is actually training marketing people to create podcasts. Mm -hmm. So you're going the other way. Yeah, as opposed to like teaching them how to do it in-house because mm -hmm. for a lot of businesses, it just makes a lot more sense than, you know, contracting out an editor. 
Well, and the hopes is always that they contract out an editor, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. But all the other stuff, they have the marketing department built in. So it's just a matter of transitioning that knowledge to the marketing department. Have you considered doing anything like that at all? Like, That's something that I've thought about is, could I do classes? Could I do some sort of tutorial on how, this is how you set up your podcast? And I have a few tutorials on my website. I've done some webinars. I did some in-person presentations on how to start a podcast, You know, choosing the right mic, getting your host set up, submitting your RSS feed, different software for audio editing, how to do the audio editing. I have all that up on my website as far as presentations and things that I've given. I haven't gotten to a point where I've offered an actual course and marketed it like a Tom Kelly or a Tanner Campbell, both of whom I have a ton of respect for and are great, great guys. I've taken both their courses and gotten a lot out of them. That might be a revenue stream that I look to do maybe later in 2021 to think about offering a, an online course like that. Yeah, because it sounds like that would work really well with the business model and the customers that you're already serving. And I'm just, you know, I'm not trying to give you more work. Um. <laughs> I, no, Carrie, you're trying to give me more revenue, and I appreciate yes. that. <laughs> also, I'm always interested in people who do do that. So if there's anybody out there who is also doing that, please come on the show so I can pick your brain. Uh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And just go to podcasteditorsmastermind.com slash be a guest if you fit that criteria. Yeah. All right. So I just completely killed that conversation. <laughs> so, John, did you have a what was your question about video? Said you wanted just, to you know, what experience the three of you have with video. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know we're using StreamYard right now. I've been dabbling in Riverside and we were talking before we got on the air here about how many how many things you want to <laughs> subscribe to at once. And right now, you know, I'm a Squadcast OG. I have the I got grandfathered into the unlimited plane on Squadcast. Yeah. I'm, a, I, I'm a big fan of Squadcast. Those guys are great. I'm hoping they do video at some point. But now I'm subscribing every month to Squadcast to Riverside to dabble into video, to Descript because I'm playing with the editor in there. And <laughs> um, gosh, you know, I, I subscribe to a website called motionarray.com that's uh, $30 a month for unlimited uh, royalty-free music. And then you've got Google and Apple Drive and Dropbox and, you know, the, li you guys, the, the, the list goes on and on and on. So yeah, it's starting to add up a little bit, but I definitely am curious if any of you had experience StreamYard you're using now and just in general with video, because that seems to be the next great frontier for me as a as a piece of my business, but not the main focus of it. So I do offer video. It's not something I advertise a lot, but I do offer mm -hmm. like video editing for my clients. And the majority of the time, it's going to be a Zoom. So either do just like side by side for the entire video or like they have it to where like it flips back and forth. So there's not a whole lot of video, like actual editing to do other than just kind of like cutting any big issues. And with video, right? because you don't want all those repetitive jump cuts that you're talking about earlier. Yeah. I don't take out like the ums and the ahs, like the, all the minor things. Because with video, you know, audio, you're just using your ears, whereas video, you're using your ears and your eyes. So your brain kind of, it's you don't see those like minor mistakes as much. So the editing is actually a lot easier. That's kind of what I was think. What I was thinking is it was Mark Yellen who did the the uh, course in the Podcast Editors Academy about editing video in Adobe Premiere, and that's mm -hmm. kind of if I edited video, Daniel. That's what I was thinking is that I would do just if there were any big flubs, then that's when you go between like the one shot and the two shot. You have all of them lined up, and you just go back and forth when you need to when yeah. you need to make an edit, but not too many of them. And a random jump cut really isn't that big of a deal. But I don't do currently, and that's something I want to get into, like with Riverside or whatnot, is having 
multiple cameras that you can kind of flip back and forth to hide those jump cuts or like the edits. Right. And it's, I'm conflicted on it, honestly, because video is popular mm-hmm. and people, video is quote unquote sexy, but it's not the crux of what I do. And I would like to offer some services, but I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole when my unique skill set is in audio. Jack of all trades is a master of none. Exactly. I think that that's where maybe hiring out mm-hmm. or outsourcing that is helpful. I know some great video people. I know for my RX course, I hired somebody to do all the videos and it was just me, right? Because that's not my forte. I have edited some other videos for different purposes, but not for a podcast. And I do when there's jump cuts, I will disguise it by putting some other image in there. Right. <laughs> so it's just like a voiceover, right? And, and quick and quick side note, Kara, your RX course, anybody who is downloading the Isotope RX program is a must. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a guest on your podcast, but mm-hmm. that course that you did was phenomenal. I still refer back to the notes I took on that class. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And you can go to yayapodcasting.com and hit the courses tab and find it there on sale. And if you're a podcast editor's Academy member, you get a discount on the course. So thank you for that. But yeah, I just find a way to disguise those cuts. However, I am not offering that to clients. And I never considered how the role of... So I think it's interesting that when you offer that producer role sitting on the call with somebody mm-hmm. and they're using your account you can therefore re like not i won't not resell but you can sell the video portion like i never thought of like separating that out like that i think that's a very interesting mm-hmm. thing and for 150 dollars for like a 30 minute podcast there's actually enough room i think in there to outsource mm-hmm. the video editing to somebody who can take care of of that and do a decent job, right? And that is that is the one thing that I, as I, my business has been growing and I'm very fortunate when a lot of people lost their businesses in 2020, but the podcasting has had such a great year. Getting to the point where I start outsourcing things and that is going to be my big thing for 2021. And that is yeah. the hardest trigger to pull. I think it was Daryl Darnell who said that making that first hire is like, so oh, giving giving away the control and the revenue is going to be a real struggle for me. But I'm hoping to get to the point where I ha- run out of hours and I have to do it. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, because like I want to get more like away from like the in the business and working on other things. Mm-hmm. Small plug. I started my podcast channel. So I have talked about like doing a course for Reaper. I've decided to pivot to just do in a YouTube channel. So check that out. Reaper for podcasting. But I want to do more like that content creation. It's like I'm looking more and more into bringing on another editor. And that's it's really difficult just to get the mindset of it. It's like I'm, I've gotten to the point where it's like, OK, I can justify the cost. Like I've gotten I've worked my mindset around that, like being able to just like Gonna be okay paying somebody. Now it's giving up the control and trusting somebody with this. That yeah, that is tough. The way I've approached it is I'm currently only giving away part of the editing, right? So I do the initial audio repair. I have somebody that does the detail edit, and then I do the mix and master at the end. So I mean, this person is still doing the mixing. They're doing the EQ and compression. I've still got to listen through because I'm going to do the the final master. And so that gives me that sense of mm. control to kind of go through. And then also, for me, I 
think I underestimated the amount of time that would need to go into that onboarding process. <laughs> yes. Training. Yeah. Yeah. Not because the person I'm working with isn't a good editor, but because the words that we use are ambiguous. And so every time there's a listen through and there's a, hey, we might want to tweak this or how did you do that? And part of the challenge for me has also been we're not using the same DAWs. I use mm. Hindenburg. He uses Reaper. I have Reaper, but I don't have all the plugins that he wants to use. And so that's also been a bit of a challenge that I'm going to have to figure out how to work through either Either I have to constrain anybody that I'm going to work with to only use stuff that I've got, or I have to find a different way to do it. I'm not quite sure yet. One thing I did want to just kind of go back to that video portion. One thing that I've done, because people have contacted me, and when they contact me about video, I just go, hey, first off, this isn't really my skill set. Second, if you want somebody that can do color correction and really smooth cuts and B-roll and that kind of stuff, that's not my jam. If you want somebody that can strip your video make the audio sound good and keep it in sync and trim the top and the tail, I'm your guy. That's how I've approached it. I like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, th I think that's probably the way I'm going to look at it. That's good advice. Yeah. I, uh, though on to outsourcing, I think that's an interesting topic. I've been working with three different ep editors for about three years now, you know, two or three years. And there's one now I trust to put together a whole show. Mm -hmm. I will buy the editor's plugins, if they don't have it, you know, I wait till they go on sale and like I've gotten them, you know, RX elements at least to make sure that we're all using the same plugins. And I do ask that they use Audition so we can send session files back and forth. Right. And I think that onboarding, you know, missed this step, you know, with a couple of, should have done this step better, the onboarding <laughs> process. I have now started making... In Notion, which is the project management software I use, I started making like, here's the mission of the company. Here is what the expectations are of not just the work you do, but actually like how you present the work that you do to the public. So here, like all these little like nuanced things that I didn't think about when I first started hiring. Mm -hmm. However, they have been the people that have given me my time back, right? Yeah. They've been worth every penny. If I've gotten sick, if I've had a bad week, if I need to focus on something else, you know, I know I can reach out to Alejandro Ramirez, for example. He is fantastic and I don't like to share him, but I'm throwing <laughs> it out there because I can't always give him all the work that he wants. But I know- I'm sorry to cut you off, Carrie. I know we're starting to run short on time, but I have to say, kind of like you guys have here, we have a podcast producers group that there is a group of five of us that we've sort of connected to podcast movement in other ways. We do a Zoom call once a month and kind of compare notes and help each other problem solve different things. And we kind of got have this gentleman's agreement that I know it's not the way to do it. We should have had something in writing, but what if one of us gets COVID? Mm -hmm. Like what if one of us is on the shelf for two weeks or longer? And so the group of five of us, it is... Um, Catherine O'Brien in Baton Rouge, Johnny Peterson in Fort Worth, Matt Cundell in Winnipeg, David Yaz in Boston, and myself. The five of us, we meet every month, and we kind of have this gentleman's agreement between the five of us that if, God forbid, one of us goes down, the other four can help pitch in and help out 
in an emergency or family emergency or not just COVID, but anything or got sick or broke your you know right hand and couldn't click or whatever it was. But we had to have that with each other. So having that backup system, I think, is really important as you sort of network and grow your business in the space, even if you're not oh, to yeah. the point where you're going to hire somebody, but having people that you can have their back and vice versa. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. But, you know, just having that person you can call, especially when they're in a different time zone. And so you can call them late. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) but I will I will shut up now and uh, because we're running out of time. So. So one question that I want to ask is what is one tool in your business that you couldn't live without? Not editing related something for your business. Can it be hardware or does it am I not allowed to say that? Because I can tell you right now that we'll stay away from software, but my Roadcaster Pro down here (laughs) is the single best investment I've ever made in my business. I cannot live without it. I think it is the greatest piece of kit or equipment or whatever phrasing you want to use to be able to have four microphone inputs, to be able to have the USB, to be able to have the audio processing that mimics a little bit of the sound that I had on the radio with all the guts and behind the scenes that I don't quite understand with processing. This is a great box for me to have that I can actually bring this to a client, again, pre-COVID, and pull this out of the case, plug it in, light up all the pretty color buttons (laughs) on it, and have a client go, wow, look at that thing. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, this is what I'm going to record your podcast on. This has helped me make sales with clients is this box. And then I actually had a client where we were recording an international podcast. We are two hosts were in New York and St. Louis. Our two guests were in Moscow and Montenegro. And it was a cluster trying to get all the tech and all the equipment, get everybody on the same page. The folks in Moscow and Montenegro, we could not get them to use Squadcast because they didn't have Chrome or they didn't have a laptop, whatever the situation was. They Skyped me. I took the Skype call on my iPad, sent it by Bluetooth to the roadcaster, and all four people could hear each other. And I recorded a conversation between Moscow, Montenegro, New York, and St. Louis, and somehow by the skin of my teeth pulled it off. Thanks to the roadcaster. Wow. 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 (laughs) All I can say is wow. What an endorsement. So if you're looking to offer that producer role, you definitely recommend a roadcaster. (laughs) Yeah, I, I this the Roadcaster is probably the best six hundred dollars I have invested in my business in the two and a half years I've been doing this. That's cool. I, 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 and I know there are other there are other ones that are that are that are you know come as the competition. I haven't used them, so I can't speak to them one or another. But I absolutely love this box, and if you're serious about this, recommend it to anybody. I never thought about the pretty colors impressing yeah. clients. That's but I see I pull it out of a bag or a case. I don't have a fancy case for it yet, but I plug it in. I've got the button bar lit up. I've got all the green and red and oh, what's that thing? Yeah. I mean, it's it's the show. It's the dog and pony show. Yeah. Wow. If you're doing an interview, so like not even like the equipment, just like having that producer. So for your client, it's more impressive whenever they're like, hey, you know, you bring them into the thing, they're talking to their guests, like, yeah, my producer's gonna be on here helping us out, blah, blah, blah. And now the guest is like, Oh wow, this is a big deal. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. <laughs> so one thing we like to ask all of our guests before we let them go is the tale of your first client. So I'm just going to lay it right there. How did you find your first podcast editing client? So I mentioned Seth Ressler earlier at Jacobs Media. Not only did he push me to go to my first podcast movement in 2018, he said, hey, you're not working right now. You should do this as a business. You should charge clients X amount of money to do podcasts. And the number he threw out was insane. I don't, at the time, I thought it was insane. I'm like, there's no way somebody is going to pay me to 
do a podcast for them. Well, as it would turn out, our other co-host on the Debrief podcast, our Becky Scarcello, very awesome lady who's well-connected here in Detroit. She's friends with, who is now a former news anchor at WWJ, the news talk station. And this woman at the radio station, Laura Bonnell, she has two daughters with cystic fibrosis. She unfortunately hit the genetic lottery, both got both genes, and two daughters have CF. So she started a local cystic fibrosis foundation. So at a rate that I probably wouldn't even share with you because I'm embarrassed about how low it is in hindsight, I said, tell you what, here, what's your budget? Okay, we're going to go to Guitar Center and we're going to get you mics and a Zoom recorder and I'll take that off the top of what you're going to pay me. Will you give me whatever's left out of that and I'll do a five, six episode podcast series for you. And Laura, who I love, you know, has asked me for favors here and there and I've certainly been willing to help her out. And this is the story that I'll share with listeners about relationships. She had a limited budget. She's got a small local charity and... I was doing stuff for her below my normal rate. I felt loyal to her because she was my first client. And then as it would turn out, she was able to get a grant for a podcast series in 2021 and said, you've been really good to me. You've taken care of me when I didn't have a lot to pay you. I want to make sure that with this grant money, I I make you whole. So you got to have some business savvy to you, but the relationship piece of it is so, so, so important. And in more cases than not, it will pay off in the end. Totally. Cannot emphasize that enough. Wow. <laughs> Relationships are key. Totally, totally agree. That's uh, just perfect. I think that that needs to be highlighted and said over and over and over and over again. And I'll leave you with my uncle's two rules for life. I always share those folks. My uncle, who is like a mentor to me, and he worked in the entertainment business doing like murder mystery shows and a whole bunch of other stuff. His two rules for life. Number one, know your audience. And number two, be kind. Everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Hmm. And those are two things that I think are universal to everybody. And I thank you for sharing those with me because I try to apply them when I can. I love it. So do we have time for the Poddex question of the, the week? Let's do it. It's your, right. it's your guy's show. You <laughs> yeah. tell me. The unofficial awesome. pod deck segment. Yeah, not sponsored by them. Don't tell them not we're doing so, it or yeah. they might make us stop. <laughs> so today's question is going to be slightly modified. What is the dumbest way you've ever ruined an episode? And okay. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I want to admit to this. <laughs> Somebody else go first while I think about it. I'll that. go first. Because I've had time to think about it. So this was probably three or four years ago. And it was my show. I was hosting the show, did the Skype recording, which was pretty much the standard at the time. Got everything done. A couple weeks later, because I record in advance, I was getting ready to edit. And the files were gone. To this day, I have never figured out what happened to those files. The folder was there. No files. And the backup recording that I was supposed to have because I use Skype call recorder, plus I recorded direct into my DAW, like I did all that stuff, no files. I could find like one file for me and no file for the guest, and I should have had like three copies of everything. So that's, I don't know how I did it. (laughs) That was the most embarrassing conversation I've ever had with a guest to say, thank you so much for coming on the show. I I told you I make multiple copies and I did, but I lost them all. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Oh, so Yeah, top that one. (laughs) I don't know that I can. I might be able to. So one show, long story short, I posted the wrong episode to the wrong feed. (laughs) The show that got the episode is a business-focused show who talks like about startups. And the episode that got put on his feed is from my client who 
is a sex coach. <laughs> That's straight out of a sitcom right there. So that was, oh. fortunately, he was very cool about it. And it was a really interesting message I got in Slack that says, you have some much more interesting clients than me. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to crawl in a hole and die. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't have that much, you know, that interesting of a story. I mean, I think you should probably go on last. <laughs> No, mine was I rendered a file, uploaded it, and this was my show, rendered a file, uploaded it to uh, the host, you know, didn't think about it until I got an email saying, um, yeah, there's only like half a show here. It like just abruptly stops and then there's like 20 minutes of silence. Um. Oops. Whoa. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a fail. <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you a general and a specific generally and this is for any uh, new podcast editors listening in the beginning when I first got into this I was over processing and over editing and I was doing way too much to the audio oh I have this little toy I can play with this oh let me do this let me do this let me do this and I was just making garbage out of that audio making a hot garbage out of it so a lighter touch is something I had to learn with whatever the plugins and, and such that I use specifically and it actually goes back to the Roadcaster uh, before one of their firmware updates, I host Bar Trivia on the side again, you know, pre-COVID. Oh, nice. And so the Bar Trivia company, we did a podcast for a while and had fun with it. One of the other hosts and I co-hosted it and then we brought in other hosts. We had like our summer barbecue at the owner's house and we we're all having beers and having a good time. And we go inside the living room to record the podcast. And it was about a 30 minutes into a 35-minute podcast. We were on the roadcaster. I had four mics plugged in. We were rotating in and out, having a great time. But the way the room was set up was I had the extension, the plug to the roadcaster going across the room. Right at the end oh, of the no. podcast, somebody tripped over the cord right out of the wall, and it was gone. <gasps> oh, no. Oh. So always have a backup and always be mindful of your recording environment. <laughs> yeah. That's what I learned. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And that's why, and that's why, even though I'm in a controlled environment in my studio, all my clients now, I record them in Squadcast, and I record them on my Roadcaster. I always have two copies of everything. Yeah. What? It, so Jennifer says this week I totally forgot to upload the host for one of my clients. I'd set up the show notes, the blog, and all looked good except for the file was still on my computer. I knew what I'd done as soon as they emailed that it wasn't playing correctly through their oh. website. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, refresh your website. Try it again. Yeah. <laughs> That's so weird. It's working for me. Yeah. <laughs> oh. okay. Easy out, Jennifer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nope, your website's broken. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> well, thank you so much, everybody, for coming on the show. Uh, if you want to be a guest, Carrie, do you want to let everybody know how to come on the show? Yes, you can go to Podcast Editor's Mastermind backslash be a guest. <laughs> yes, <laughs> is it does that, work. Is that it? Is that, yeah, yeah okay. that's it. <laughs> Fill out the form and we will get in touch with you. And whether you have a specific thing you want to talk about or you're an expert in something and want to share it with all the other podcast editors who absolutely need to know it, we are happy to have you. I, I will say that I have definitely learned something from all of, include Jennifer in this, all of the four of you uh, in this group have taught me something, and I'm just grateful to be on the show and to be networking and, and colleagues with all of you. So thank you for having me on. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, thank you for letting us be nosy. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is an unfair advantage, actually. <laughs> like we get so much more out of like interviewing everybody else. <laughs> this is this is totally selfish. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's a lot of fun and it's a lot of learning and it's a lot of getting to know fabulous people like you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And also for the people that are watching the live stream, future streams will be earlier in the day, so you don't have to stay up so late. So if you're not already, like the Facebook page, join the Facebook group to stay up to date on the new time whenever we get all that sorted out. But that is it from us. My name is Daniel Abendroth, and you can find me at rothmedia.audio. I'm Carrie Caulfield-Eric. You can find me at yayapodcasting.com. I'm Brian Ensminger. You can find me at toptieraudio.com. And our guest today was... John Gay, Jag in Detroit. Find me at jagindetroit.com, J-A-G, or on social media, the same, Jag in Detroit. And our fourth Yeti that couldn't join us tonight is Jennifer Longworth. Unfortunately, she has a real job, and these late <laughs> nights are getting to her. But you can find her at KY Podcasting or at bourbonbarrelpodcasting.com. Thanks so much for watching. Uh, so um, how much is that? Thanks everybody. 